This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. Previously on Space Train, Doug and the cadets tried to escape from the Doctor and his exiles, but ended up coming face-to-face with the Black Sphere, a dark blob that absorbs all light and warmth. The Doctor controls this blob and threatened to suck all light and warmth from the Space Train as well as the neighboring worlds if the cadets didn't return to his academy. The cadets surrendered and turned the train around. When they returned, the doctor made Goro unlock the caboose and then had it searched. Stepping out of it were the cadet's parents. (laughs) 
And now for episode 20, Fallen. Is this real? Doug said, staring at his parents in disbelief. Is this some kind of trick? Hi, honey, Doug's mom said with a weak smile. Doug looked at her skeptically. He had to admit, that was a pretty accurate greeting. Still, he wasn't ready to accept the woman as his mother just yet. If traveling the universe had taught him anything, it was that not everything was as it seemed. They'd been to all sorts of crazy worlds with crazy beings, including one that could mirror their appearance. Who's to say these weren't alien imposters posing as their parents? He weakly waved back. His parents, along with the other parents, stood in their blue jumpsuits in front of the doctor, held firmly by the hoverbots. Doug looked them all over. There didn't seem to be enough of them. Lydia's parents were pretty obvious. Both were redheads and looked smart. Next to them was a big, buff guy with a stern face and a beautiful wife at his side. Those had to be Dallas's parents. The other two were Doug's. So where were Leo's? Goro, what's going on? Lydia asked. She wanted to run up and hug her parents, but she too was having some of the same thoughts as Doug. Yes, Goro, why don't you enlighten us? The doctor said, swiveling his hover chair to face him. Goro hesitated. I didn't want you to find out like this, he told the cadets. There was going to be a time and a place. Goro, the doctor pushed. Goro sighed. Your parents have been assisting on your missions ever since you embarked on a space train. They've been lending their support from the caboose in a variety of ways. The cadets looked at each other stunned. Leo flailed his arms around like tentacles and Doug interpreted for him. And the beast? A fake, Goro said. A way to keep you from finding your parents. If you feared the caboose, their identity and work would be protected. Dallas examined his parents, who looked weird in blue jumpsuits, as opposed to their usual laid-back country clothes. You guys are farmers. What do you know about space missions? Watch your tone, son, Dallas's dad said. These aren't our first missions aboard the space train. The man looked like an army officer with his wide shoulders and stiff posture. Your parents were my first team of wanderers. Goro admitted. They were the best and brightest of their class. The doctor smiled and wagged his finger at the parents. I thought I recognized you. My, my, how you've grown. Let's see. We have Annabelle, Luke, Patrick, Lillian, Jeff, and... He stopped at Doug's mom and snapped his fingers. Clara. Incredible. Still friends after all these years. You're right, Goro. These were some of the best. His exiles squirmed uncomfortably behind him. The doctor noticed their reaction. I said some of the best. That seemed to appease them. Goro, you've brought me the jackpot. Two for the price of one. 
Now I've got several adults here who are seasoned enough to start teaching tomorrow. See, kids? Now you get to learn from your parents. That's not such a bad deal, is it? We're not staying, Doug said. We have lives back home. You can't keep us prisoner here and force us to attend your stupid academy, parents or not. The doctor tilted his head at him. Ah, trying to look tough for mommy and daddy? Want to show them how much you've grown? His eyes bounced over to Lydia. No, for the girl, I think. Doug's face turned beet red. This isn't a negotiation, Douglas, the doctor continued. You and your parents serve me now. The sooner you accept that, the more tolerable your lives will become. He pressed a button on his chair and the cadets were seized by hoverbots. Take them to the living quarters so they can get settled. Make sure they get there this time. I'll send word for them within the hour. He pressed another button on the chair and addressed a different group of bots. Take the train to the storage hangar. I'll figure out what to do with it later. Obeying their orders, the robots pushed the cadets and their parents towards the school. Do I not get to retrieve my belongings? Goro protested. The doctor looked at him, confused. You are a computer with joints and a metal casing. What belongings could you possibly need? I'm still an intelligent life form with a conscious crystal, Goro reminded him. I have my personal effects that will make the transition easier. The doctor grinned pompously. Go on, get what you need. Consider it a favor from an old friend. He nodded to two hoverbots. Escort him back to the train. Goro and his hoverbot escorts headed for the train, while the cadets and their parents were taken back to the school. As they walked, Doug noticed that all of the parents were clenching their fists. They had every reason to be upset, but all of them clenching their fists? That seemed a little strange. Walking alongside them, the exiles took great pleasure in seeing the cadets captured. After all the kids had done to screw up their plans, Doug could only imagine what they had in store for them. Little Jojo Mijo, with his Elvis hair and denim jumpsuit, didn't bother hiding his resentment. He kept trying to trip Dallas as they walked. Every time Dallas stumbled, he chuckled. The Turbo Twins, with their caveman hair bursting from their expensive suits, kept pushing the cadets' backs to get them to move faster. Clay stayed calm and cool. He strutted out in front of the group next to the doctor with a satisfied smirk on his face. And Diva? Doug looked around. Where was Diva? He thinks she, of all people, wouldn't miss this moment for anything. She'd probably want it all on camera. They were almost to the school now, and Doug was imagining how miserable life would be from here on out. Even with his parents teaching some of the classes, he knew the exiles would ultimately be in charge of most of their education. They'd be bullied and punished relentlessly. Easy on the pushing, Dallas's dad said, looking back at the Turbo Twins. Jeez, it's like we've been dropped off on the planet of the apes. The Turbo Twin pushed him again. What did you call us? 
With all the flair of a drill sergeant, Dallas's dad began arguing with the twins. While he kept them distracted, the other parents reached out their clenched fists and secretly handed each cadet a small box, no bigger than a ring box. Doug's mom eyed the cadets and motioned for them to press the little boxes against their chests on her signal. If you don't quiet down, I'll quiet you down, one of the Turbo Twins threatened. Seeing that the boxes were all handed out, Dallas's dad did as the classy caveman said and quieted down. The cadets watched as Doug's mom held out her fingers and counted down. Three, two, one. They smacked the little boxes against their chests, and armored spacesuits instantly shot out and enveloped them. Doug gasped as the white suit with flexible silver plates wrapped around his arms and legs, and a helmet sealed over his head like a closing mouth. The exiles and hoverbots jumped back in surprise. Press your palms, Lydia's dad shouted. The cadets and their parents all pressed the center of their palms, and little handheld blasters dropped out of their forearms into their hands. Doug could feel the heat from the handles through his gloves, telling him that the weapons were charged and ready. Boom, boom, ping, boom, Blue lasers shot out of the parents' blasters and sent several of the hoverbots collapsing into a pile of metal and sparks. Don't let them get away, the doctor roared. I want them alive! He pressed a button on his chair and several bubble layers enclosed around him in his hover chair. The other exiles took cover, pulling out their own weapons and returning fire. Hoverbots scrambled to pull out their blasters and set them to stun. None of it felt real to Doug until a yellow laser blast from one of the hoverbots ricocheted off a blue rock next to his helmet. Doug, up here! He heard his dad shout. He looked up and saw both of his parents flying through the air with jetpacks, shooting down at the hoverbots and exiles. That's when Doug noticed the weight on his back. He looked down at his blasters and saw a big blue button in each of the handles. He pressed them both with a finger and boom! He blasted off the ground. The jetpack rumbled against his back as he flew higher and higher over the frenzy below. Heat from the jet's flame warmed the back of his legs. A spray of yellow lasers zipped towards him. Letting go of one of the blaster buttons, he swerved to the left just in time to dodge the blast. One of the bolts grazed his shoulder and deflected off an armored plate. Ugh! He winced. Even with the armor, the hit hurt. He shifted his focus to his attackers. Full of adrenaline, he threw out his hands and unloaded his blasters. Blue lasers ripped through the hoverbots below. In the nearby boulders, Lydia and her parents exchanged blasts with Jojo Mijo and dozens of hoverbots. Every time a hoverbot blast was on target, she was quickly warned of it in a flash vision, giving her time to bend her body and dodge the laser. Seeing a future glimpse of where a massive hoverbot would jump out from behind a rock next to them, she turned and fired just as it sprang on them. Its torso burst into pieces. Dallas and his parents fired at Clay and his band of hoverbots. Clay held a huge clay bazooka over his shoulder. Kafoom! Kafoom! Massive clay torpedoes rocketed out of the bazooka and sent blue rocks splattering all around Dallas and his parents, forcing them to take cover. A clay torpedo heading straight for Dallas exploded in a blue flash of powder inches from his face. 
Stunned, Dallas turned to see Leo holding up his smoking blaster. He looked just as surprised as Dallas at the miraculous shot. Thanks, Dallas said. Where are your parents? Leo shrugged. You can hang with us, Dallas said, nodding to his parents who were jumping on hoverbots like crazed chimps. Leo pointed to Dallas's parents and then held out his arms, gesturing someone big and strong. I know, they're insane, Dallas agreed. Leo shook his head and then pointed to Dallas and made the buff man gesture again. Dallas smiled. Finally, we're speaking the same language. He ducked down behind a rock, closed his eyes, and hummed a little song between deep breaths. Before he could get through an entire verse, Giant Dallas came jumping out from behind the rock and bounded towards Clay and the hoverbots. Clay fled into the school, but most of the bots around him weren't so lucky. Dallas's canoe-sized arms came crashing down over them, smashing them into the ground like pop cans. Boom! Smash! Boom! Smash! It was like playing a game of robot whack-a-mole. With every swing of the arm, hoverbots were flattened or sent flying. He grabbed two of them as if they were a couple of action figures and smashed them together. They exploded like a firework in his humongous hands. Watching the whole thing, Doug was just grateful that the suits were stretchy enough to remain intact when Dallas went giant. That would have been super embarrassing. Doug, look out! Lydia shouted. Doug ducked just as a blast from Jojo Mijo whizzed over him. Thanks! He shouted back to her. He couldn't believe how amazing she looked. All brave and confident, fighting back the hoverbot hordes like some kind of space heroine. I like you! He heard himself shout. I know! Lydia said between shots. Doug shook his head to make sense of her response. You know? What do you mean you know? Come on, Doug! You haven't exactly been subtle! She bullseyed a big hoverbot right in the chest. Doug was too shocked to keep firing. Yellow lasers thumped into the blue dust around him. That's all you're gonna say? I know? Doug! Seriously? This is the worst time you could possibly bring this up! Duck! Doug ducked and another yellow laser whizzed over him. Lydia shook her head at him. How about you make yourself useful and turn those blasters into something better? Doug looked down at his blasters. Man, he loved that woman. Behind the protection of a boulder, he studied the weapons and imagined how they could become one. He pictured a blueprint of a new weapon, its pieces and their function. His hands blurred in front of him, disassembling the blasters and piecing them back together. He knew his mind was still playing tricks on him, that his hands were merely being held out and that the pieces were coming together on their own. But sometimes he liked it better this way. It helped him make sense of the process. After a minute, the trigger snapped into place and the rifle blaster was complete. Blue lights blinked down its long barrel. Its handle vibrated with a charge. He leaned over the boulder and took aim. Vaboom, vaboom, vaboom! Long blue lasers zipped across the battlefield and exploded against several hoverbots at once. Doug let out a held breath. Whoa! 
The thin air churned above him and thudded with the heavy sounds of the Turbo Twins' double helicopter. The two connected helicopters lowered over the battle and unloaded a barrage of laser blasts from their Gatling guns. Lines of dust and blue rock tore from the moon's surface and geysers. A few of the bolts hit Dallas's parents and they fell hard, wounded but alive. Huge Dallas roared and jumped for the copter. The Turbo Twins tried to swerve out of the way of the leaping giant, but Dallas's swinging fist caught the connections between the copters, breaking them apart. Losing control, the copters swerved like tumbling leaves towards the ground. All of the cadets and their parents unloaded on the falling helicopters. Boom, boom! They exploded under the blasts and sent fiery debris raining down over the chaos. The Turbo Twins drifted safely down to the moon's surface, having ejected just in time. As soon as they landed, they fled back to the school. The battle continued and made its way closer and closer to the academy until pretty soon everyone was firing on each other inside the spacious lobby. The magnificent fountain crumbled in clouds of dust under laser fire. Leo jumped on the walkway belt and zipped down the halls, blasting hoverbots on either side as he slid quickly on his back. Dallas pounded bots next to his firing parents. Lydia fired her blasters and shouted warnings as visions came to her. Doug mowed down bots using his rifle, with his parents by his side. Where's Goro? Doug yelled. The cadets looked around. I haven't seen him, Lydia called back. Shoot, they lost him, Doug thought. Hopefully he was okay. Just when Doug thought they were making progress, more hoverbots swarmed in around them, forcing them all to take cover. With every push of a button, the doctor used his hovering chair to call in more and more bots. For every one the cadets shot down, three more flew in to replace it. Set down your weapons, the doctor screamed from the distance. You fought well, but you have nowhere to go. Surrender, and I promise to make your punishment bearable. Continue, and I will be forced to have my bots set their lasers to kill. I'd rather die than be your slave, Doug yelled. He aimed his rifle and sent a fiery blast shooting across the lobby and ricocheting off the doctor's bubble shield. Appalled, the doctor looked at the char mark on his bubble and then slammed a button on his chair. So be it! All of the lights along the hoverbot lasers changed from yellow to red. Just before they could fire, a sound broke through the commotion. Everyone in the academy went quiet until all that could be heard were the hoverbot's squeaking joints. The sound grew louder with the thump thump thumping of deep bass. Doug looked around. Was that music? Crash! The lobby windows shattered and in flew DJ Mixin McGruff on his flying motorcycle, blasting music from his shoulder speakers in his yellow coat. Next to him, in what looked like a flying high heel, was poofy-haired Diva. Camera bots fluttered around her, capturing the dramatic entrance as though it had been rehearsed a hundred times. Stay close, Diva told her camera bots, touching up her purple lipstick and smacking her lips. We only get one take. 
She set down her lipstick and pulled out something that looked like a souped-up silver hairdryer. Mixon McGruff looked out over the crowd of hoverbots through his dark shades and spun his music blaster in his hand. Time to get funky. He hit the base and drove his motorcycle into the hoverbots. Sparks sprayed up from his front wheel as he plowed through them. Pew! His powerful sound wave blaster sent even more bots flying. The cadets and their parents watched as Diva followed suit, diving into the room and running over bots with her high heel pod. She jumped out of it, rolled, and then turned her hair gun loose. Haze warped around the hairdryer barrel as an invisible ray of heat melted the metal right off the bot's outer shell. With adrenaline pulsing to the beat of the music, the cadets and their parents jumped back out to join the fight, blasting, smashing, and kicking their way through the endless horde of robots. Deadly red laser blasts bounced off their suits, leaving painful welts. Too many direct hits and they'd drop from the pain and be overrun. The exiles stood back behind their leader as the doctor smashed buttons all over his chair, sending everything he had into the fight. Hoverbots of all sizes poured in through the windows until they filled the room like a noisy beehive. Huge Dallas leapt over the mob and landed in front of the doctor. Furious, he grabbed the doctor's bubble like a weightless beach ball and ready to throw it as hard and as far as he could. Too stunned to react, the exiles stood paralyzed nearby. None of them dared take on the giant. Just as Dallas wound up to make his throw, Goro's voice chimed in over his helmet speaker. The doctor leaned in to listen. Cadets! Wanderers! Get outside! Now! He ordered. I'm coming in! Dallas froze. He looked back at all of the cadets and parents. Someone was calling his name. Leo, Doug, and Lydia were already flying out of the broken windows, heeding Goro's warning. Their parents, Diva and McGruff, weren't far behind. Dallas's parents were waving for him to follow, shouting his name. Dropping the doctor, Dallas took three running steps and jumped for the window. Having overheard the warning, the doctor slammed the joystick on his chair forward, sending it flying for the window. As soon as Dallas jumped outside, he saw the space train barreling down towards the academy full speed. It gleamed in the light of the distant sun, its silver cars shining in all its glory. Goro, no! Lydia cried. She and the others landed on the ground outside and looked up at the falling train. Doug's stomach dropped and Lydia's scream grew faint as ringing filled his ears. The moon's surface shook, and a blinding light filled their helmets. A hot shockwave sent them all flying back. More explosions rattled the moon. Doug sat up. His breaths were quick and shaky. Through the bursts of light, he could see that half of the academy was gone, and the rest of it was collapsing under a chain of explosions. Clouds of fire raised over the structure as buildings crumbled one after another. A few more thunderous booms, and then there was silence. Smoking pieces of hoverbot dropped all around them. A massive cloud of smoke enshrouded the academy. Grayness spread like an approaching storm and blocked their view. 
Dallas gradually shrank back down, and everyone helped each other up. Doug struggled to his feet. Goro, he mumbled. Goro! Doug limped into the cloud of smoke, and the others followed. They walked blindly through the gray until it thinned, and the academy came into view. It was gone. There were nothing but giant heaps of rubble, some still smoking with small fires. Doug saw pieces of the space train, littered among the remains of countless hoverbots. There was the exit door, crumpled and charred. He stepped over twisted benches from the zoo car and seats from the planetarium. Lydia found what looked like a bent basketball hoop from the train recreation room. Their hearts sank. Tears filled Doug's eyes as he found what was left of the cockpit. Chunks of the control panel fizzed among a pile of shattered glass. All around them were gears. Thousands and thousands of gears. Gears that could only belong to one person. Goro. Doug fell to his knees and sobbed. Lydia ran up and hugged him. She too cried. No one said a word. Dallas and Leo cried quietly from where they stood, and so did the parents. Even Diva struggled to fight back her emotions. Through his blur of tears, Doug saw something glowing under the rubble. Wiping his eyes, he pulled away from Lydia and started sifting through the metal debris. The glowing object was growing brighter. He dug deeper and deeper. Lydia put her hand on his shoulder. Doug, what are you doing? Doug ignored her and kept on digging, digging and digging and digging, digging until he came to a large piece of metal, a chunk from one of the Academy's cafeteria ovens. The glowing object was trapped underneath it. Doug tried to lift it, but it was too heavy. Come on, help me with this thing, Doug said. The cadets and their parents came to his aid. They surrounded the metal oven and lifted it out of the way. Once it was thrown aside, the glowing object shone with the brilliant luster of starlight. Doug's heart raced. Everyone stared down at Goro's glowing, conscious crystal. Hey, Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Space Train, which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. There's one more concluding episode, you guys, so stay tuned to find out how it ends. Till next time, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb.